0: Tonight we're going to finish our series of lessons we've been looking at through the book of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk spends uh, the last chapter in its entirety, it would seem, uh, to really giving praise uh, to God and glory to God. But he also spends a lot of it, um, as well, requesting uh, action upon those who who are in contradiction to God, action upon the wicked. While at the same time he does call for God's mercy upon uh, the, faithful, uh, the faithful servants of God. And so this evening I want us to, I want to show how encouraging it is to think back about the amazing things that God has done for us in our own lives. And how he has dealt uh, with the wicked as we have seen numerous times I think at least in my opinion how the wicked have been dealt with uh, by God as well. This particular chapter, Habakkuk chapter 3, is done almost as many point out, like a psalm or or like a poem here in the final chapter. And we begin uh, chapter 3 by looking at verses 1 and 2, looking at a request or even a plea for action and mercy. We begin Habakkuk chapter 3 looking at verse 1 here. The Bible says, uh, we have found here the prophet is praying, and the Bible says, a prayer, Habakkuk the prophet on Shuganoth, uh, upon Shuganoth seems, as one here says, seems to mean upon those who have erred or those who have committed wickedness. Uh, Strongs, if you look it up in Strongs, it refers to it as a psalm or even as a poem is what the definition of that word means. And you can compare this also uh, compare this to the title we find for Psalm 7 about prayer and praise for deliverance from enemies. this is the title that I found for Psalm 7. So there's a lot of similarities between Habakkuk 3 and the 7th uh, Psalm. And this is written in the form or a style of a psalm as we'll find as we go throughout this. We find next he begin to ask God to continue His works and to bring wrath and mercy as well as we look at verse 2. And here the Bible says, O Lord I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. So his request is revive his works. And this might indicate his, his fear at what might lie in store for people who have gone so far away from the teachings and leadership of the Lord. Revive your work is the idea of going back and you know, continue doing what you've done in the past. Not that God has ever stopped working, but that is, he wants to see the same power, request the same power that God has displayed in the past. He wants to see it again there, as we find it in verse 2. And in the midst of making known what he wills, he prays also for mercy for the souls of those who return to him in faithfulness. He says, In wrath, remember mercy. So he calls for God's wrath, but he also still calls for God's mercy. No doubt we want to see those who have, who we would say are very, very wicked and who have caused great grief to come upon the church. We want to see them find the, the justice they deserve, but we also want to see them turn to God. And we find that here in verse 2, that even when He says, O oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years, referencing the mighty things He has done against the wicked and the mighty things He has done for the righteous. He says, in the midst of the years, make it known In wrath, remember mercy. We find next, if you look at verse 3 and following, a praise for the times of salvation in the past. Praise for what God has done for him in the past. If you were to sit down and begin to write down some of the things that God has done for you, let's say you start in the month of January of just this year, and you begin to think about the things that God has done for you, would that be a long list? I think in just the nine months that we have been here already in this year, or almost the complete nine months, we can find a lot of things we can be thankful for. And a lot of things that we can be mindful of that God has done for us and the things that God has blessed us with. But what about if we went back more than just nine months? What if we went back for the last five years and made a list of what God has done for us? Well, We'd have to have a whole stack of paper, wouldn't we? We should. <laughs> Well, if we went back even further, we stayed say beyond five years, and we start thinking about, well, you remember when this terrible event happened and how we came through and how we dealt with that with God's help. And no doubt that list began to grow and grow when we think about those things. We find here, as you look at Habakkuk chapter 3, looking at verse 3, he says here, God came from Teman, the Holy One from the Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of His praise. His brightness is like the light; he had rays flashing from his hand, and there, is, and there, there his power was hidden. When we think about this. We look at verses three and four. We find God's power and beauty, and how wonderful it is. He mentions it how he came down from these places, from and the holy ones in the mount of Paran. And he covered, his glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. This no doubt is a reference to no doubt those who have given praise to God, but also makes us think about the wonderful earth that God has created for us. He says in verse 4, His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from His hand, and there His power was hidden there in verse 4. God shows His power in His creation, and He shows His power in the elements of the world we see around us. We finally look at verses 5 through 7, how his power to punish the wicked as seen. We look at verses 5 through 7 here. Before him went pestilence, and fever followed at his feet. He stood and measured the earth, he looked and startled, startled the nations. And the everlasting mountains were scattered, the perpetual hills bowed, or bowed, rather. His, his ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Cushan Kush, uh, uh, in affliction, the curtains of the land of Midian a Midian trembled. No doubt we find here, if you look at verses 5 through 7, God, in the figurative way, shows his power, how things that we would say are impossible for us to do mountains that scattered, hills that bowed, lands trembling. Only God can do such things. We look at verse 8 through verse 15, we find he brings both judgment to the wicked and salvation to his people. We look at verse eight of Habakkuk chapter three. He says, The Lord were you displeased with the rivers, was your anger against the rivers? Was your wrath against the sea that you rode on your horses, your chariots of salvation? We look at verse eight, you find here that by following the Lord as the people did, uh, as as the people did in their escape from Egypt, we come out successful or we come out winners. No, no doubt we find in verse 8 here that this is not literally the idea that he was displeased with rivers. This is, you might say, a little bit figurative language here. We find in verse 9, he points out that your bow was made quite ready. Oaths were sworn over your arrows. You divided the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you, saw you and trembled. The overflowing flowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered its voice and lifted its hands on high. We find here, as we look at verses 8 through 10, the idea that God was going to deliver has delivered his people in the past. And we find verses 9, uh, really verses 9 through 11 here. Then, when God prepares to come against the wicked, the nations tremble. We saw there in verse 10 how it says, The deep uttered His voice and lifted up His hands on high. How the mountains saw you and trembled. You divide the earth with rivers. And reference to no doubt the creation and the power that God possesses. Moving up to verse 11, he says, The sun and moon stood in their habitation. At the light of your arrows they went. At the shining of your glittering spear, you marched to the land in indignation. You trampled the nations in anger. You went forth for the, for the salvation of your people, for salvation with you, with your anointed. You struck the head of the house of the wicked by laying bare from foundation to neck. We find here all this, no doubt much of it at least is poetic language or figure, showing the power of God and the reaction to it by the people and by the world. This shows the ease with which the elements of the world bow when confronted by the power of God who made them. We also find there in verse 12 through 15 how God trampled wicked nations, but yet saved his people. If We continue on looking at verses 14 and 15. He says, "...you thrust through with his own arrows the head of his villages." They came out like a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was like feasting on the poor in secret. You walked to the sea with your horses through the heap of great waters. So, yet again, we find God trampled wicked nations while sparing the people, right? I think about Exodus, where God brings out the people and brings them out and brings them out across the Red Sea, the part of the Red Sea on dry land, and how he crushed the army of Pharaoh behind them. The Lord walked through the sea, He says here with your horses, through the heap of great waters. The Lord always is with the faithful, and He's always against the wicked. You think about verse 15, at least to me, reminds me so much of that crossing in the Red Sea. He walked through the sea with your horses, through the heap of great waters. The idea we know there, if you go back to Exodus, it talks about how the waters were heaped up on themselves, and it was like a wall of water on each side. To do what? To save the people, to save Israel. As we look at verses 16 through 19, we find a a profession or a declaration, if you will, of faith. This professing faith in God. We find in verse 16 that he trembled. This is Habakkuk trembled at what was heard, and that he will have rest in the day of trouble. We look at verse 16. He says, "When I heard, my heard, my body trembled." My lips quivered at the voice. He says, "Rottenness entered my bones; I trembled in myself, that I might rest in the day of trouble." When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. Now, when Habakkuk heard, he had several reactions, as we see here in verse 16. Uh, He, his body trembled, or some say his heart may have pounded. His lips quivered at the voice, the voice of God rottenness or decay entered his bones, really I think my thing about this rottenness, decay entering his bones it could be the idea that he fell to his knees before God, before the voice of God and trembled in myself, he says I might rest in the day of trouble he says in the day of trouble when he comes up to the people he will invade them with his troops, that is with those he have brought against them, not God, literally the troops of God but he, he would bring up uh, nations against him Habakkuk we find here also returns uh, to his main point in this in this verse by, by pointing out that Nebuchadnezzar will come and take the people of Judah captive uh, the day of trouble is when the nation Babylon decides to invade them again not literally the armies of, of God but the armies God would use uh, at his will we find next we look at verses 17 through 19 he expresses his faith that while trouble may come, he will rejoice in the Lord, who will be his strength. Looking at verse 17 uh, and 17 through 19 here, or 17-18 says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may, may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will I will joy in the God of my salvation. you think about that picture we find in verse 17, and 18, the idea is very clear: is that when there's literally, <laughs> seemingly nothing left there in verse 17, and 18, the fig tree doesn't blossom, there's no fruit on the vines, uh, the olive fails, the fields yield no yield no food, the flock is cut off, there's nothing in the stalls. He says his response in verse 18. He says yet. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. How hard would it would be for us if we went home tonight and there was nothing in our pantries, there was nothing in our refrigerators, and there's no way to get anything else? That's the idea that Habakkuk paints here. There's nothing there, and yet he says, "I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation." Look at verse 19. We have the reason why Habakkuk is still showing, uh, still rejoicing. He says, The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, no doubt indication to being quick. And He will make, make me walk on high heels. And we find here, it, says, it finishes here by saying to the chief musician with my string instruments. Now, we find here in verse 19, he is, the reason that, he is the reason that God is rejoicing. He recognizes that the Lord, God, is His strength. And He'll make His feet like hind feet, or like deer's feet. He'll make, he'll make Him to walk upon high places, or the heights. What is God going to do? Provide Him ways to provide for Himself, and no doubt for His own you think about some lessons for this today we can be encouraged by reflecting on the numerous times God has answered our prayers even if those answers have come with a no when we think to pray we will be encouraged to remember all the times that God has granted our pleas and even those times where God has not granted our pleas you think about how many times maybe you pray in a day And you multiply that, just say for seven days, how would you feel if God didn't hear just one of those prayers? But we know the Bible tells us that God hears all of them. So it's not one, you know, a few prayers a day times seven, it's a few prayers a day times all the days of our life. God hears our prayers, or the prayer of the Christian, anyway. He, he hears and He responds to the Christian's prayer. We should be encouraged when we consider all that God has done for us. Consider all the many blessings that He's given us in this life, not just merely the physical, but the spiritual as well. Think about this as well for another thing for us to consider. Our faithfulness or lack thereof determines which side of God we, we, will, uh, we will find. That should, should be what it says. Which we will find. Think about this for a second. What decides if we see the wrath of God or if we see the mercy of God? Doesn't our obedience decide that? If we are disobedient, won't we find wrath in God? As seen in Habakkuk, God punishes and saves, he redeems, and he also casts down. As I mentioned probably many times before, I had a person ask me one time, uh, you know, which God do you believe in—the God that, that is love and mercy, or God that is, you know, wrathful and and vengeful? Well, it's the same God. And then we, that's what Habakkuk points out very clearly: the God that brings wrath is also the same God that brings mercy, isn't it? You go back to Habakkuk, the very first few verses. There, he points out to bring wrath and his in, in his wrath, bring mercy. And so we find that God does bring wrath, and He also brings mercy as well. our decisions decide which side of God that we see do we see the wrath of God or do we find the mercy of God as we close this evening we want to think about how God answers our prayers and how much God has done for us God is always aligned with the faithful isn't he? that is he's always on the faithful side the psalmist tells us that he has been young he has been old he nothing that righteous forsaken, nor did his descendants begging bread, which tells us that God is always with the faithful. But we find that numerous times in other places as well, don't we? God was with Moses. God was with Abraham. God was with Joshua. God was with many of the judges that we found there in, in that book. And the list goes on and on and on. We move to the New Testament. God was with obviously his son. God was with the apostles, wasn't it? God was with his faithful servants. God is with His faithful sons and daughters no matter what time period you're talking about. Old Testament, New Testament, whatever law they may be under, God is always with the faithful. So let us never forget all that God has done for those who faithfully serve Him. We can also add this, let's never forget what God brings upon those who do not faithfully serve Him. Habakkuk knew that God had two abilities, to save, to redeem, or to utterly cast down. And In Habakkuk 3, he wants to see the wrath of God upon the wicked, but he also wants to see His mercy. This evening, as you think about these things, we want to encourage you to think about which side of God we are working to see. On the day of judgment, we will stand before the Son of God, As the Bible points out numerous times, we will answer for the things that we have done, whether good or evil. And our actions, our faithfulness, or the lack thereof, will determine what we hear back from Christ. Well done, or depart. Well done, good the faithful servant, is what the faithful Christian hears. But depart, depart from me, is what the wicked servant hears. And so we want to make sure that we are working, that we are laboring to hear, well done, good, and faithful servant. This evening, as you think about these things, we can help you or encourage you in any way. You can come forward now as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.